Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Element City Church. Glad to have you here in the house with us or online. It's a, it's a thrill to have you. And so if you're tuning in from online, I'm waving to you. That's to you in your house, in your living room, and to those of you in the balcony upstairs down here. Uh, glad to have you with us. Uh, if you are new, I just want to welcome you and, and invite you to join us by kind of connecting, allowing us to reach out to you by filling out our connection card. And you can get that in a couple different places. If you're online at the top right of the screen, you can click connection card, fill that out. It'll email us. We'd love to connect with you, answer any questions you got, uh, try to help you find a connection around here at Elements. At the same time, uh, we'd love to, if you're here in the house or if you have our app, you can access it there. It's the kind of the third tile down on the main screen. Uh, just updating you on a couple different things so you know about. Uh, our eKids is on hold for right now as kids are mostly not back in school yet. And we're in the process of talking with our volunteers and trying to, to rally our crew to get ready for an opening of that late, later this fall. And therefore, we are kind of looking for some new folks who are maybe wanting to invest into our next generation ministries. And so if that's of interest to you, you're a parent and you have kids, you'd love to serve, uh, we kind of invite people to serve maybe once a month and then kind of set the table for those that are gathering here and maybe the other three, uh, you're here in service and with us. If you're online and looking for that to come back, you could be a part of helping us with that. So reach out, email me, jack at elementcitychurch.org. I'll get you in touch with Jen, our eKids director, and that would be an awesome thing. The other second thing is we do our second Saturday food distribution every, guess what day? Second Saturday. You see how that works? It's amazing. So like October is coming up. I don't know if you know this, there's a second Saturday in October. What? Yeah. Uh, and so we would love to have you help uh, kind of do the food distribution. What we do is on the second Friday, which I don't know, falls the day before the second Saturday. Track with me. Uh, we pack all those meals down at Caring Ministries, which is down kind of Grant and I-10 area. We pre-pack all those boxes. And then on the second Saturday, we show up here at Catalina High School, and then we kind of make our way over here to the church campus, and we give out two or three pallets of food for free uh, to just bless people who are struggling with some food insecurities. It's a great way for us as a church to give back and to help serve our community. So I would love to personally invite you to be a part of that process, whether it's packing on Friday morning from like 9 to 10 or serving with us from 8.30 to about 10 on the second Saturday. Kind of put that on your radar screen. We would love to have you join us, be a part of that. We are also tonight at the end of the message taking communion together. So here in the house, we've got what we affectionately call the Lunchable Communion. It's the kind of COVID communion. They're back here on these tables and some in the balcony, the wafers kind of on the top and then the juice is there. If you're at home, listen, trust me, I have done goldfish crackers and soda uh, to represent my communion. So you got a few minutes now at home to find some items that you could do communion with us all together, whether you're here in the house or at your house. And tonight, as we continue to kind of launch into our service, we have been praying every week for the Church of the Week. And, and tonight I want to highlight two churches. Uh, one is Living Faith Christian Center, Pastor Randy. And we're going to be praying for him, kind of multiple. There's about 100 churches in town that pray for the Church of the Week. And so this week it's Living Faith Christian Center. We want to pray for them and for Pastor Randy. But I also want to just bring a friend of mine uh, before you. Uh, Jim Toole is the pastor at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. 
and uh, a dear, dear friend. We've been in a pastor's covenant group with about five pastors for the last six years, and Jim uh, found out he's got uh, gallbladder cancer uh, about a week and a half ago. And so he's going on a leave of absence, uh, going to start chemo next week. And so I'd love to pray for my friend Jim and invite you to be a part of that process. Uh, his wife is also battling cancer right now, so it's a, it's a challenging situation. And so I would love for us as a church and the church communities at large to pray for not only Living Faith Christian Center, but also for St. Andrews and for my friend Jim. So would you join me in that? And we'll jump into worship in just a second. And so, Father, as we gather here, as we gather at home, we gather together. In this moment, we're asking that this next hour or so that we would experience you, Jesus. We're asking for you to kind of invade our space and to stir our hearts. Father, we lift up Living in Faith Christian Center to you and Pastor Randy. We ask that you would continue to be very much at work in their community, raising up the volunteers that they need, uh, igniting the, the mission that they are on to reach their community and the surrounding area. We pray for just an incredible blessing over Randy and over their church, their leadership. We ask that you provide in all sorts of ways and that you would bless them with wisdom and clarity and, and the information that they need, as well as just igniting within them a charge to bring your kingdom here on earth in the ways that they can. And Father, I want to lift up my friend Jim to you, uh, lift up Patty to you. And I just ask, God, in your grace and your mercy, would you surround them as you have with people from St. Andrews? We pray your blessing over that church. It's such a great community of faith. They do so much in the community, God. They're going through a hard time, and so we're asking for your presence to pour afresh and anew over them. Would you surround them? And Father, for Jim and Patty and the boys, would you surround them with a renewed sense of your grace to meet them in their time of need? Father, we pray for this chemotherapy that he's going to begin, that it would begin to have a positive effect. He's wanting to fight, to, to be here for his boys who are in college a little bit longer, and and Father, for Patty, you've been already doing good things, and we ask that to continue, that you'd bless their time together, you'd bless their family, would you bless St. Andrews and their church family. God, we love them. They are dear, dear friends. We ask for your activity, your intervention. And so, Father, again, we lift these next few moments to you. We gather to lean into you. So, Jesus, would you meet us? As we lift praise to you, would you stir our hearts? And you, would you refill us with the refreshing hope that comes from you and you alone. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand together tonight. We have the hope of heaven before us. So we sing that tonight.
Thank you that you are always with us, that we always have this hope that as we go into any and every circumstance and situation in life, it's a circumstance that you're already there, that you've already been through, and you're right there with us to carry us through those moments, to give us wisdom as we need it, to give us grace and strength, whatever it might be for that moment. We have the joy of knowing that when we go through this life, we never go through it alone. We always go through it with your presence. This year's been a hard year for so many people, God. We've lost so many loved ones. People have lost jobs. Income hasn't been stable. Some friendships, relationships, uh, probably estranged. Isolation. Just everything that's going on politically in this world, it's, it's just, it's a mess, God. With social justice issues as well. Just there's so much confusion. And yet, in the midst of all of that, we always have hope in you, Jesus. 
pray that tonight we would resolve in our hearts that no matter what happens, God will never let these things overwhelm us or steal from us the joy that comes from belonging to you. And so as we get to gather tonight as a church, whether it's here in the building, whether it's at home, we just thank you that you're with us. But that's the hope that we get to carry in ourselves. That's the hope that we get to give to a world that needs to hear that message. That your grace is freely available. It's there for all. And so for any of us tonight who maybe have never received that, who haven't been walking in that, would you use this time of worship, whether it be through song, whether it be in the word as Jack comes to speak, God, would you use these moments just to redirect our hearts back toward you? Would you use tonight to whisper hope into our ear, to speak a message that we need to hear, Jesus? And so we love you, we trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 If, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Hebrews chapter 6. We'll get there in a minute. That's toward the end of the New Testament, if you're kind of new to the Scriptures. and um, I don't know if you have stories from your childhood, but I, I remember as a young boy, uh, my dad would wake us up sometimes early in the morning. It would be a Saturday or so, and we'd be taking off, and we'd go outside, and he had a canoe, and we would load this canoe, well, well, let's be honest, he would load the canoe onto the top of the truck, and we would tie it down, and mostly I was just there for emotional support, and going, go, go dad, um, but like, he would put it up there in the canoe, we would tie it down, we would go, we would drive for a little while, right, and then we would get up to this body of water called a river, I don't know if anyone has ever seen one of those, if you were only born here in Tucson, you probably haven't, so like a river is where the water moves. Yeah, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but like, so when we got out here, we would drive much further, and we would get to a, a body of water called a lake. I mean, people from Pennsylvania, where I'm from, that we would call that kind of a pond because there's not a whole lot of water to it, and, and, and the water doesn't move in a lake, right? But on a river, it's like has this current that kind of pulls you along. And so we'd get there, we'd put the canoe into the river. And, and the reality is if you just sat there, anyone ever been in a canoe? Let, let's just admit that getting into a canoe is just half the battle, right? So like we didn't dump the, the canoe, you didn't tip over, you get in. And if you just sit there, here's what's going to happen in a river it's actually going to start to move the canoe. Like the current of the water is actually going to pull you and take you, and you will be kind of sped along at the pace of the current no matter what you try to do. And I want you to kind of keep that in mind as, as we think about this reality. Here's what my dad would do. As we were struggling, this whole idea of kind of going with this current, occasionally he would pull out what they call is an anchor. Right? And he would drop the anchor over, it's tied to the canoe, it would sink down into the bedrock, into the dust uh, of the bottom of this river, and, and we would stop being pulled along by the current. Now, we would still be kind of bumped around a little bit, and we would still kind of maybe shift a little bit from side to side, but we would actually be fixed and secure, and not just carried along with the current. And, and friends, in our cultural context, there is a current 
that is trying to carry you along. And it will carry you sometimes to places where you get sideways in life, where your emotions can get rattled, where your heart can become deflated or even feeling defeated. It can end up taking you to places where your values get compromised and where hope kind of seems lost unless you and I learn how to drop anchor into something, and I would suggest someone, that is an anchor for our soul. In fact, the writer of Hebrews uses this kind of pictorial language. And, and here's kind of what he says in Hebrews chapter 6. This idea of this anchor of the soul. He says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose really clear to the heirs that were promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the what's it say? Hope. To take hold of the hope that is set before us may be greatly encouraged that we have this hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul that is firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. It's this pictorial language of the old temple and the holy of holies that was separated by this giant curtain that no one could go behind except the, the high priest one time a year to offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. And yet Jesus shows up and he does the ultimate sacrifice and breaks down the barrier of that. And on your behalf and on my behalf, he makes a way that we may have an hope as an anchor for our soul. Listen, don't you just know deep down in your own heart that you need more of that? That you need this anchor, this, this hope that kind of anchors you to something that's fixed and secure. That we serve a God that the writer of the Hebrews says that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is this anchor for our soul. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What does this mean to put an anchor of our soul into this hope? That we have in our, our culture, we, we tend to either hope in some things or we can hope in someone. And often we try to put our hope into things. Uh, we think, okay, well, if I get a big enough bank account, if I get a secure enough job, if I get uh, enough things, if I acquire the right stuff, if I have the right amount of achievements, if I have the right kind of a connections, then, then that'll anchor me when I go through the difficulties of life. And yet, the writer of Hebrews and all throughout the scriptures. They point us to a hope that's different than just things. Because things have a way of, of changing. Uh, we have to be part of a hope-giving kind of church. And how we become a hope-giving kind of church is to be people who are filled up with this hope that we get from God, that being anchored into someone. Not just things, but into someone. Uh, the entire Bible declares the story of this unshakable hope of the living God. We see this declaration all throughout the scriptures. The Bible points ultimately that our real hope, not a faux kind of hope, a fake kind of hope, but a real hope is found in one person. In fact, the foundation of our hope is found in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And so the scriptures are calling to us over and over to say, listen, the world tries to highlight, here's the things to put your hope in. Here, here's the ways that you go about it. And, and all throughout the ages, the people have tried and they have found them wanting. 
and they have found them that they lack the promise that they say they will provide. And we all know that hope is something that we desperately need. We all talk about it. We, we ache for it. In fact, author Andy Crouch wrote this. He said, human beings can live for 40 days without food, four days without water, four minutes without air, but we can't seem to survive four seconds without hope. Emil Bruner, a Swiss theologian, said, what oxygen is to the lungs, such as hope, to the meaning of life. There isn't a single person in this room or in your living room that isn't asking and aching for the question, what is the meaning of life? What is this all about? And yet we, we find it, we try to pursue it in a whole bunch of different things, and yet it lacks the hope that it says it promises. And so this hope keeps coming back that we don't find hope in things. If you put your hope just in things, it's a faux hope. It's fake. It doesn't last. It has a shelf life to it. It can quickly alter and fade. And sooner or later, we all kind of discover how fragile hope is when it's just placed in the things of this world. And that's why when the Bible points to a hope that can meet us and change us and hold us secure, it doesn't point to a worldly kind of hope. It points to a, another world kind of hope that's founded in the person of Jesus. It's not a hope in things. It's one that's founded in the person of Jesus. He is the foundation of our hope that no matter the challenges or circumstances or conditions that come our way, he can be that anchor for our soul and provide a hope that is that anchor for us. He doesn't give faux hope. He gives real hope. And so in the time I got left, here's what I want to do. I want to walk us through three different ways that we see in the scriptures. And so we'll have touch points and all kind of all over the place of the scriptures. So if you have the app, you can download the sermon notes and kind of follow along there or just kind of try to keep up. That The first one is this. God gives us a hope from our past. That's the beauty of the gospel. And that our past does not have to define us. Our mistakes don't predetermine our destiny any longer. Our brokenness and our separation from God is now healed and solved in the person of Jesus. The beauty of the gospel and the good news of Jesus is that through his life, his death, his resurrection, he made a way that your past does not have to define you any longer. That the brokenness of, from the past of your life does not have to determine everything about you. That we, our pardons are kind of reset. We have a reset reality and invites us to live in a renewed way. The, the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul begins to write about it this way. He says uh, in this prayer that he has for the, the people of Ephesus, he says, I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, this immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the mighty working strength, that he exercised this power in raising Christ from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above all rulers and authorities, powers and dominions, and every title that's ever been and ever will be. That's a big deal. That Jesus is above it all. And guess what? When you put your faith in Jesus, you are airlifted to his position. You are with him. That's what Paul talks about so much in the New Testament. You are now in Christ. 
Not because you did something, but because you got airlifted up to him. That's what he did to take care of your past, to take care of my past. And the brokenness of my past, the bad decisions of my past, the sins, the wrongdoings of my past, and yours as well. That you and I didn't have to work our way past that. It wasn't a debt that we could figure out how we could owe or how we could even take care of. It was far too great. And so Jesus said, I'll take care of it. I'll make a way. Ephesians goes on in chapter 2. Paul begins to keep writing about this. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, which is what we talked about last week, being a mercy-filled church. He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. Listen, Christianity and, and faith in Jesus is not about making you go from bad to good. It's about making you go from dead to alive. It's not about just self-improvement. This is about a condition that you had that you could not fix on your own. And Jesus made a way where you couldn't and I couldn't. And that's good news, friends. He said, remember, verse 12, remember that time when you were separated from Christ. You were without hope and you were without God in this world. But now, verse 13, if you have a pen, circle, but now. Here's the deal. I love, this is going to sound crude, but anytime you see the word but, God's but is big and it's important, okay? Meaning everything that came before that is about the reality of here's what you faced, but God changed it. And he did something better and different. Circle it, highlight it, it's important. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away are now brought near. Not because of your merit, not because of how good you are, not because of how much you achieved or how hard you work, but simply because Jesus made a way. His hope takes care of our past. He doesn't say, you figure it out how to try to catch up with me. You figure out how to try to get up to me. I'm a perfect and holy God, and well, you're not. Good luck. That's not hope. That's depressing. But Jesus is the giver of hope. He says, look, I've made a way that you may have life. My hope takes care of your past. He's broken us free from the past. He's bought us via his grace and brought us close to his mercy and healed us. Something we could not do on our own. He did for us. And if if you're here, you're watching online, and you've never come to a place where you've said yes to this Jesus who offers this kind of hope to take care and to deal with your past, then friend, I just want to encourage you to take one step closer. See, for some of you, you've been investigating spiritual things, and I think that's awesome that you're owning your spiritual faith. And maybe you're here in the house, or maybe you're tuning in for the first time, and, and this whole COVID season has kind of rocked your world. And you're kind of searching for something, something that's solid, something that's foundational, that can guide your life and can hold you. Friend, Jesus is closer than you think. And he's open, and he's longing. He knows your name. And so keep walking in his direction. 
Talk to the friend who brought you. Talk to the friend who invited you. Talk to one of us. We would love to help you understand that it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with one who sought you out and who offers you a hope that you cannot manufacture on your own, but one that he freely gives, that his hope takes care of our past. And secondly, his hope helps us in our present. He is with us in our present, in our day-to-day. How wonderful is it to know that you and I, as followers of Jesus, once we've said yes to Jesus, that you will never face another moment alone. That's one of the hardest parts of the season that we've been trying to navigate in this whole COVID season is the aloneness, the loneliness, the separation that it causes. And yet, friend, you are never, ever, ever alone. You may have lonely moments, but you're never abandoned. That, that Jesus promises that his permanent presence is with us forever. And it's an important reminder to know that in the day-to-day areas of life, your Monday through Sunday, is that you don't travel any decision, any heartache, any situation, any unknown that you have to try to figure out, and you're not trying to have to figure it out alone. That Jesus is with you. That he's given us his spirit and his promised presence to be with us. Here's what Jesus said, the very last verse of the Gospel of Matthew. He talks about, go and make disciples of all nations, kind of this command. And at the very end, he tacks on this beautiful reality. He says, and surely I am with you always. He doesn't say, surely I'm with you sometimes. Surely I'm with you when I remember it and when I get around to it. No, no. Surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of your age, that you never travel alone, that he advocates and and gives us an advocate in the Holy Spirit. He said this about him, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, remind you of everything that I have said to you. It is a closeness of a reality that you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit as a believer in Jesus, as one who has said, yes, I need you, Jesus. That you're given a travel partner, an advocate who walks life with you, that you don't navigate things alone. God's presence isn't distant, it isn't distracted, it isn't disengaged. It is a promised presence that is with you and with me in our here and now in our everyday reality, that we can lean on him. We can depend on him. We can look for his activity and his presence with us. He is still Emmanuel, God with us. That's not just a Christmas slogan. That's an everyday reality that we're invited to anchor ourselves to. That's the hope that we have. Not just a hope that dealt with our past, but a hope that's with us in every moment of every day. Friends, that is good news. That's good news for us. And not only does he have a hope that's helped us deal with our past and a hope that's with us in our presence and in our present and walking life with us, he has a hope for our future and our forever future with him. This is what Peter writes. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 4, he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. There it is again. It's all over the Bible. He has given us a new birth into a living, what? Hope. A living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that you have as a follower of Jesus and that I have that will never perish, it will not spoil, it will not fade. It is an inheritance kept in heaven for you. Four different descriptions he gives to this inheritance that were gifted as one who has said yes to Jesus, that it doesn't perish and it doesn't spoil and it doesn't fade and it's kept safe for you. It never perishes. It's imperishable. It cannot be voided out or revoked or misplaced or lost. How many of you have ever lost your keys? How many of you lost your mind? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, don't answer that. Like, you've lost your keys. You've lost stuff. You cannot lose the reality of this inheritance that you have in Jesus, this relational connection with him. It cannot be revoked. You cannot misplace it. It isn't something that has a a, a termination at some point. It is forever with you. It never spoils. Come on. How many of you have opened up the fridge before and then you smelt it, right? And you're like, oh, that's in the back. I, I'm going to reach back there and I don't know what's going to happen. It may eat my arm, right? And you find that one Tupperware dish that you pull out and you are scared to death to even crack it open, right? Because it is not the color of when you put it in there. It is something different, and it is furry, and it looks like it moves. And, and, and anyone else just ever, like in true confession, ever just thrown out that Tupperware dish? Listen, don't tell my wife, okay? Like, I've done that. Um, mostly because I was scared to death to open it. I was just like, this is spoiled. And like, not just spoiled, like, it's, it's like bad. And I don't want to, like, put myself in that position you feel like I'm going to throw up, right? Anyone else with me? So you like, you toss it and you're like, I'm just going to go buy new Tupperware at Target. It's cheap. You know, that it doesn't spoil. We, we throw that away, but God's love for us and his rescue of us doesn't have a shelf life to it. There's not going to be an expiration date to it. It doesn't spoil. It's for us. It never fades away. It doesn't just become undefiled. He keeps it from fading away. When Peter was writing this, he was thinking about the Stephophanus, the, the crown that the Olympians would run for, and they would wear this wreath around their head, and it would be the victor's wreath. But here's the reality of what you know and what I know. When we go cut a, a limb off a, a plant or a tree or something like that, you let it sit on the ground, you come back three days later, what's happened? It's not a living hope then, right? It's, it's something that's been cut off and it begins to, to turn brown and wrinkle up and it's, it's not pretty at that point. And what Peter is saying is, look, this inheritance that you get as one who has trusted in Jesus, it's not like that. It never fades. It's this living hope that you have for your future and for your forever future with the one who has rescued you. It will not fade away. In fact, it is kept secure by the presence of God himself. It is kept by God. The word kept is in the perfect passive tense in Greek. It implies that God did in Jesus Christ what he did back then when he raised him from the dead is still having positive effects even now. That what happened 2,000 years ago is still being played out and still having a ripple effect. The power that resurrected Christ in the past is the same power 
that preserves your inheritance even now. God protects it. He looks over it. He's got eternal surveillance on it, and he is shielding us with his protection and his presence. Listen, your inheritance is kept for you, and you are being kept for your inheritance. That's the beauty of God's hope, of what he gives us that we have this eternal, secure hope that can fix us. And even when the current of our life and our culture wants to pull us some way, wants to take us to some place and take us and get us sideways or get us distracted or deflated or, or to get us to a place where we compromise, if we will learn to drop anchor into the hope, not of something, but of the hope in someone, in Jesus himself, Sure, we may get moved around a little bit, and we may get shifted side to side a little bit, but we will not be carried along on a whim and at the mercy of something else. We have this anchor for our soul, and because we have a hope that has dealt with our past, and we have a hope that is present with us in our here and now, and we have a hope that has secured our future and our forever after with him, then we are filled up with this hope so that we can now share it. Friends, we have a shareable hope. That's the hope of Jesus, that we have this shareable hope because our hope is not in something or in a what, it's in a who. Here's what Peter writes a couple chapters later. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for you to give the reason for what? For the hope that you have. You've been given this hope. Paul writes it this way at the end of Romans. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you would have this hope that anchors you this hope that carries you, this giver of dependable hope is God. The phrase, the God of hope, fill you. It's this idea that it doesn't mean that God who needs hope, he doesn't. Or that he's characterized by hope for himself. He doesn't need that. God does not hope for anything like we do. He is sovereign and he is not restricted by time. The Greek word here literally means that God is the dispenser of hope that God is the source of hope, that he's the one that dispenses that hope to others, that the hope that we can hold on to, a hope that can be an anchor for our soul, isn't dependent upon our circumstances and our conditions. The anchor of hope isn't dependent upon another peer who is broken like you are, like I am. That the anchor of hope and ultimate hope isn't determined by situations being calm or bank accounts being full or resources being plenty, or all relationships being pleasant, or the surroundings of life all lined up the way we want. It's not dependent upon that. It's dependent on Jesus. He's the foundation of our hope. All hope in things is a faux kind of hope. It's got a sense of fakeness to it, and it will change as your circumstances do. But a hope that's founded in the person of Jesus is a real hope that can be an anchor for your very soul. Friends, that's good news. 
it can fill us up as hope. We have a greater hope than just circumstances and, and situations, a hope that can carry us through the thick and thin of life. It's whether we're up or whether we're down, whether we're satisfied, whether we're searching, whether we're in a good spot or a challenging one. His hope can find us and hold us and anchor us even there. That is good news. Think of it this way. When you were a kid, anyone ever get Pez dispensers? I have Black Panther here. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty awesome. Anyone ever seen the, the Pez dispenser before? It's pretty awesome. Here, here's how it works. Watch. You pull that back and I can't do that with a microphone. Okay. You pull out candy. Some people say the candy tastes like Tums. Not bad, it's orange. And, and if I watch, I don't know if you noticed, I'll, I'll do it again, replay, okay? You, you pull it back and out comes candy. It's just dispenses hope. You guys want to replay? Okay. So like, you just pull the head back like that. Oh, I try to get it there. And then like, out comes candy. Pretty good. What if, what if this is an illustration of the kind of people we're to be? That we're to be Pez like people. That just as God is the dispenser of hope to a world who wants to fill you up, friend, so that as you bump into people, from hope. That what if we're to be like Pez, like people? That we're filled up with God's hope and thus we become dispensers of his hope. And we're filled up because we understand that his hope has dealt with our past. I don't have to try to manufacture it. I don't have to work hard. I can just rest in what he did, not what I do. I'm going to walk and keep in step with him now. But I'm not trying to do that to get something. I'm trying to do that because of his amazing love and the hope that he gives me. I, I, I walk through every day of life filled up with the hope that he's with me in the present, in my everyday, day-to-day -day life. In my here and now, he's here and he's now. And that his hope has got a secure future for me. No matter what I face and the troubles that may come and the conditions that may change and the situations that may be difficult, I don't face those alone. And ultimately, those things don't define me. I have a hope. And then as I'm filled up, what does it look like to be a dispenser of hope to a world that's aching and searching to try to find a hope? And so often they put a hope in things that we all know is kind of a, a faux help. A faux hope, and it's this fake. What would it look like? You know, when you become a dispenser of hope, it's every time you pack a food box and that you deliver it into someone's car who's struggling with some food insecurities. You know when you become a hope dispenser is when someone comes to you and they're just pouring out their heart to you and you simply say, man, that sounds so challenging. I know this is kind of maybe a little bit different, but would you be okay if I prayed for you? And then pray for them. 
You know, 80% of the time when I've asked people if I could just pray for them, they say yes. Now listen, don't be weird about that, okay? Don't go into a five-minute dissertation on prayer. Stop it. Don't be a weird Christian. Just like if they give you the opportunity to pray, 20 seconds, pray for them. Don't be weird about it. Just pray a blessing. Pray for God's activity in their life. And then be quiet and listen at the end and see if the Spirit might nudge your heart to say, hey, uh, you just prayed. That's awesome. But here's something you can do. And maybe you follow up with them later and you do that. You know how you dispense hope to people? It's, it's every time where your neighborhood, that you've kind of cultivated a reality, that you're the one who's available. And that when, when people are hurting, or people are struggling, or people are rejoicing, that you notice, and that you rejoice with them, and that you mourn with them. That's how you dispense hope. It's every time that you and I, and that we together, begin to push back against the darkness of the evil one in our world, that we begin to push people to the hope and the light of Jesus in practical and tangible ways. Every time that you're moved by the heart of generosity that God's fostering in you and you respond, and you respond in partnering with the church to be the church, and you respond in practical ways, in ways that you can step in to the lives of people who are maybe need a shot in the arm in that moment, and you can do it, and you're like, okay, I can't do for everything, but remember that we live by this promise of do for one what you wish you could do for everyone? Well, then just step into that. And as you do, you become that Pez kind of person who's dispensing hope into our world. Let me just ask you, does our world need more people like that? Does our world need you to be more like that? I think it does. It needs me to be a person who's more like that and so I just want to close our time as we move toward a song of worship in a time of communion to kind of come to the table of God, that we're invited to this table of God to remember. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so, again, if you're here in the house, we've got communion tables down here and up in the balcony that have uh, kind of this all-in-one communion cup. And at home, you can figure out what you're doing there. But in a moment, I'm going to give you space to take 60 seconds and just to pray. And here's what I want you to pray. God, thank you for the hope that you've poured into me. For some of you, you have a, a, a past that haunted you, a past that you regret. And Jesus took care of that for you. Thank him for that. For some of you, you're in a moment of life and you're struggling and you need to be reminded that we have a God who is Emmanuel. He is with us. He is with you. He is for you now. Thank him for that. That he has secured a future for you that isn't dependent on what you try to factor out or figure out, but it is kept secure and safe and it won't spoil or perish or fade and he says, I've kept it for you, and I'm keeping you for it. And I've got you. Thank him for that. And maybe secondly, you just say, God, would you help me to be more like a Pez person who's just a dispenser of your hope, the hope that you're pouring into me? Would you show me how to live that out this week? And then in a moment, take communion to remember 
that we didn't get invited to Jesus' table, to this table to do this in remembrance of him because of our merit, because of our accomplishments or how awesome we are. Listen, you're awesome. God loves you. But it's not because you're awesome. It's because he says you're awesome and he pursued you. And so remember that it's Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And the power that raised him from the dead is the power that helps us understand what we started with. Hebrews chapter 6. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It goes where you could not go, and it accomplishes what you could not accomplish. Why? Because of our forerunner, Jesus, who entered on your behalf. So friends, take a minute right here where you're at. At home, take a minute. Here in the house, take a minute. Thank God for the hope. Ask him to help you be a hope dispenser. And take communion. and that you give to us. May you continually fill us up with your hope, a hope that took care of our past, that's with us in our present, secures our future, that we may be known as kind of those Pez people who are dispensers of your hope in a world that needs it. Jesus, as we worship you now in this song, would you stir us afresh and anew that we might thank you. We may overflow with thanksgiving for the hope that you give us, that you may give us a purpose this week on how to specifically share your hope with the people around us. Would you guide us in that, lead us in that? Move us to be people who live that out. Jesus, we thank you that you are our living hope, an anchor for our soul that tethers us, secures us, fixes us, that we're not moved along just by the current of culture, but that we're anchored into the hope that you provide.
chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living Lord who could
We just want to thank you so much for being here tonight. It's always just a joy. It's a privilege for us to get together to worship together. And so just a, a few quick announcements. Uh, first of all, directly after this, if you're online, we've got a Zoom hangout. So there's going to be a link that our hosts are dropping into the chat right now. So if you want to get better connected at the church, find out maybe a little bit more about who we are, you can jump on there. For those of you who are here in the room, we'll be back at the, the back table there. So if anyone here is new tonight, uh, Jack will be back there for the 10-minute party. That's right. It's a party that lasts no more than 10 minutes. That doesn't mean you have to be there for 10 minutes. And you know what? Maybe you're not new. Maybe you just need to party for a little bit. So go party with Jack in the back. That's what's up. Uh, next weekend, though, we're just excited whether you're here in the room uh, or at home. Uh, we're ready to gather again. So uh, real quickly, for those of you who give, thank you so much. It uh, takes real money to do real ministry. We've said that many times. You can do that in the app. You can do that on elementcitychurch.org. Uh, either place uh, is, is fine for that. So lastly, I just want to read this blessing over us as we close out. Uh, it will open up. And this comes from 1 Thessalonians verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. So just know that we get to walk out of here with that hope that if he's called you, he's faithful. He's going to do it. So let's pray. Father, thanks for tonight. Thank you for allowing us to gather, to lift up your name through song, through the word, just as we gather in fellowship as a community. We love you and we need this time. We just pray that this time would have been beneficial to our soul, that it would give us nourishment, that as we step out and go uh, to live our life uh, this week, that we know that we would do it uh, living with the one who, who died to set us free living inside of us. Uh, we have a hope that will always carry us through any and every situation. And so thank you, Lord, that we belong to you, that you've called us out. And because you've called us, you're faithful. You'll do it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Have a great week.